are familiar, my name is Janelli, and I'm the host here on Growing and Sewing. If you're back, if this is if you're listening on the podcast, Anchor, Spotify, or Apple, or if you're on YouTube right now watching this, I'm a bachelor's prepared nurse who recently left the bedside. I also am an NPC bikini athlete. I love God. I love food. I love health. I love people. And I just started sharing a lot more about my life after leaving the bedside because that's a huge hiccup for me and it made me appreciate just life experiences and what people have to input, um, what I can put out there, and just sharing in hopes of encouraging others who might be going through similar circumstances and asking for you guys' help too, you know. Um, I am making this short and sweet podcast to answer a couple of people who were curious about the OR, about the operating room. I think I mentioned it in my quitting nursing video that I went from ED to OR to ICU. So I did ED for 11 months and then I really wanted to go to ICU, not going to lie. But being that I had only been a nurse for 11 months, I did not qualify because they didn't want new nurses. You had to have at least a year's worth of experience, which I didn't really get because they had new grads going in, I'm pretty sure, because this was pandemic time and I knew a lot of friends who were going to ICU first but I think I dodged a bullet and you know everything's meant to be I couldn't apply it then and there but I did also apply to the OR that was like my second curious spot and how I knew is because when I was in the ED and I was thinking about leaving I was talking to uh, co-workers I was making a list of what I liked about nursing what I wasn't liking about nursing and I knew I loved my skills, and that was a big thing that when I was looking about going to the OR, I was like, mm, I might not use a lot of my skills. And I, like you, was going on YouTube looking for videos and trying to find out what it's gonna, what's the feel gonna be for like that, mm-hmm. what it's going to be like. And knew that I really wanted to keep my skills, but it it didn't seem like a a big deal when I looked at all the the pros of when you're taking care of one patient at a time the hours aren't too bad depending on the person I'll go over that later um because there's so many on the port (laughs) I was like it'd be the longest surgeries y'all and it's you will understand the whole thing if you understand medical terminology it's prefixes and suffixes and it's root words you will get it it was one of my favorite classes but I'm like off the dome I couldn't tell you I couldn't make up a surgery for you. I could look at it and be like, make it out that that's this. But if you're a complete nerd for that, you'll love it. It's not your typical 12-hour shift, and that was super relieving at first. It was surprising, relieving, all the same time. Because in my 12-hour shifts in the ED, I was lucky if I got lunch. And then when I went to the OR... I was surprised at how early we would get there. We was there like before 6.30 because first case is like 7. But we were out before 3. Like at 2.30, we were out. At, sunlight was still out. And I had lunch and I had a 15-minute break and was proposed the idea of like a third 15-minute break. All between 7 to 3. I felt like a princess. I was like, What? This is amazing. I felt human. I was like, and mind you, I was working during the days. 
I when I worked in the ED, I worked mid shift. So we talk in eleven AM, eleven PM, nine AM, nine PM. Sometimes I take people's days and do seven to seven. Um, but that was I seldom did that. And then one to one. I used to work from one PM to one AM. Horrible shift. But that's just what I knew. That's what I did. And the OR was a breath of fresh air of oh, this is terrible to wake up at four thirty to get there for 6.30 because that's how, just how I am. I have to take a shower, do breakfast and everything. And then be out and have time to go to the gym, to go to the grocery store, and the grocery store is not packed. To go to work, mind you, because of the OR uniform, this is an awesome pro too, you would walk in with whatever, like pajamas, sundress, clothes, these comfortable clothes, you go in and change into your OR scrubs. And you ain't got to worry about washing your scrubs at home this is the hospital scrubs it was it was kind of cool it was it was a culture in itself you i think only them and labor delivery does that i thought that was such a flex i thought that was really cool (laughs) i think the or kids are the cool kids um and then what else is super different but you did work five days out the week so because you had that sweet seven to three you was working five days out the week and I, I was used to working three days out of the week, so I wasn't a big... I mean, you can't have everything, right? You can't have your cake and eat it, too. But I wasn't a big fan over time. I, it finally got to me. I was like, huh. I only get Saturday and Sunday, like everybody else. Which is great. It, it fell in line with, like, my family and friends. But it was nice to have those weird days off and see how everybody else is at work with like you're at the grocery store and it's super empty so now you're like why is it so empty oh yeah it's a thursday at nine but if five days out the week works for you that's awesome i'm not promising that your shifts are going to stay seven to three though you have this thing called call um everybody's is different but that will make that five days out the week and eight hours seem a lot longer because you could Let's say Friday, you don't leave at 3. They got you on call from 3 to 8. You could be sitting there staying 3 to 8. And that could happen two more times out of the week. Okay? So it's not always as sweet as it sounds. But I left a little bit before they started doing the whole call thing. Uh, also, it, it depends on cases. So that... 7 a.m. to 3 p.m. is if they have enough cases to, to give you that time, which was a little irritating to me sometimes because you might be ready to want to do the surgery at 1, um, but then it's canceled for some reason or it's moved to another day. And sure, you leave early, but that's one of your hours or or it could be a surgery's canceled really early and you're staying in this OR suite. Let's say you're signing like OR suite two and you have four cases and they take away this one. Well, now it messes with your schedule because now you decide, well, I'm going to take lunch and that break then. When I really want to take lunch over here or you dedicate, no, I'm not taking lunch until this time, but now you're doing nothing during this time. You could, of course, help your friends out, go in other rooms. You're trying to make time go faster. Um, what else was really cool? Mm-hmm. 
independent, you have one patient at a time. Uh, it's great for those who are super assertive type A people, especially with the whole timeout and the counting thing. You, you got to be able to speak up for that patient since they're under anesthesia, okay? Ultimately, of all the nursing roles, you're, you're the biggest advocate when it comes to being an OR nurse because they're under anesthesia. None of their family's in the room. It is you who ultimately has to be like family to them and stand up for them when things don't go right. So if you notice that they're about to cut and nobody's done time out, you have to be assertive enough to, yeah, whoa, 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 whoa. We haven't done time out. And, and people will do this part right here. Yeah, we did. No, we didn't. Because you, in most places, you're going to be assigned, the nurse's responsibility is the timeout. So if you didn't do the timeout, you know you didn't do the timeout. And most people write on the board when they do their timeout. So you won't believe it, but some people will really be like, we already did a timeout. No, we didn't. So it's scary, but you are the advocate for that. Imagine if this was the wrong patient or the wrong procedure or the wrong side or they had an allergy to something. You go over the allergies on the um, timeout too. Uh, for counts, you again, you have to be aggressive. Even with um, some scrub techs or scrub nurses. I know my facility, we, we, the nurses didn't scrub, so that wasn't cool. Try to go to a place where it lets you scrub so you can learn both scrubbing and circulating. Circulating, you're doing a lot more documentation. Scrubbing, you're, you're sterile. You're passing instruments to the surgeon. For count, sometimes... Um, you're not ready because you have other responsibilities before doing count and you're trying to time when you can do count but scrub tech is ready to get out their stuff because they're ready to go and they've already counted everything you go to them they're like okay i'm ready to count because it's a two-person count it's the scrub tech and the nurse that count together to ensure accuracy but sometimes you can get um a scrub tech or a nurse i can't always say them but a nurse that might count ahead of time and a scrub cat scrub tech will want to count and you guys are both not on the same time and one is bold enough to be like nah i already counted and not want to count with the other person when we're all adults and we all know this is the rule two people count together for a reason that sucks but you have to be assertive i'm not a very i'm not a very assertive person but uh you it really brings a perspective you gotta think if that was your mom on that table and she could possibly go home with a sponge in her that's going to make her ill. Would you yell at this person? Yes. Yes, you would. So, and you got to see that person tomorrow <laughs> or in the next hour. So, there's, it's, a, it's a very tense place, the OR. But at the same time, I think everybody gets it. Uh... At the end of the day, they know what the job entails. They know what they got to do. And they just be giving each other a hard time. I feel like just to give each other a hard time to see buttons they can press and how sensitive you are. I really do. So it's like a, like a, like a tough kid playground, which is kind of, it can be part of the dislike is if you want a happy teamworky place, it's okay for teamwork. The OR isn't going to feel like it. It's was very counterintuitive for me. Uh, I also didn't like not using my traditional skills, except Foley. You will do Foley's. You will know Foley's in and out. You can do them with your eyes closed if you do the OR. You're the Foley girl, Foley boy, whatever you want to be. You'll know. 
But I mean, none. I didn't even look at the cardiac monitor. That was all the CRNA. I didn't have to look at it. I didn't have to. After putting the Foley in, I don't watch the Foley's output. Nope, CRNA does it. I don't give meds. I can, like, open up a lidocaine and pour it on the field for the surgeon to use later. But that was really it. All the meds was being pushed by CRNA. IVs, CRNA. Everything that you're used to doing on the floor, CRNA is probably going to be doing it, and then some. Which kind of annoyed me because I was so used to, I had just came from the ED, so I was so used to starting IVs, giving meds, that I was like, oh, I can, I can do this, I can do that. But they kind of look at you like, it feels like it's a thing that's out of your school of practice. It really does. And I don't like being out of my school of practice. I don't like doing the wrong things. So, but I didn't, there's nothing on paper that says, you, an experienced nurse, can't start an IV if you know how to start an IV, and they need an IV. Pre-op should start the second IV, or another CRNA needs to be called in the room after this CRNA failed to do a second IV, and you're like, dude, I know how to do an IV, but it feels like you, you shouldn't be. Um, that got on my nerves. Or a lot of CRNAs will kind of like brush you over as somebody who's never been to the floor because a lot of times people go straight to the OR from what I've heard a lot of people like they know they're going to do OR they set to the OR the same it's kind of like its own niche or different place like labor delivery is very specialized there it is very specialized kind of nursing OR is very specialized kind of nursing labor delivery is very specialized so usually people just go straight into it and I think a lot of the people in the OR PAs surgeons and CRNAs and techs all think that you don't know anything about floor nursing. They assume it, unless you tell them otherwise. And so they think, I don't know, you don't know nothing? And that would irritate me a little bit. Like, we go pick up patients, and I'm, I'm super down with the floor nurses. I'm like, hey, I, I, I can help y'all move them over to bed and stuff. And all our stuff would be like, no, that's on them. If something happens to that patient, it's going to be like, we're in trouble. And I'm like, dude, they're nurses like us. Like, just... We can, we do that. We can change chucks, I think. It made me feel so hesitant. I was like, is it outside of our scope of practice here? If we know how to do it, can I help you? I mean, they're manure nurse, but I know this. It was weird for me. Not enough team work. Um, rude surgeons. I didn't have to get the worst of it. And I know that it's probably way worse in the past, so I'm grateful for whatever, like, attitude. When I get attitude, I'm like, you know what? This could have been way worse in the past. This is, this is, this is their nice. This is them under control. This is them under constraint. But man, that was mean. Or just unnecessary. It's not even like a mean thing. It's like you went out of your way to do this. To make me feel small. And it irritates. Um... So definitely come in with tough skin. I don't, I'm going to be honest, I don't have that tough skin. I am like, I am like a dandelion and I want peeps to be happy and have a good time and leave having a good time. And people just like, some of the surgeons come in with like already grumpy. And I am like the happy care bearer of like, it's going to be a great day. And they're like. You just made it horrible for me, just smiling at me. I'm so sorry. I digress. You're right. 
piece of poop here. Sorry. Uh, so if you're some, if you're a nurse who's like super gun ho, assertive, type A, likes rules, can enforce them, uh, likes to work with one patient at a time, loves the rules of sterility, uh, medical terminologies, prefix, root words, suffixes, counting, timeout, just being very detail oriented. Oh my gosh, you might like the OR. So I could carry you through like a day of OR. I feel like that helps me a lot. I've always want to shadow a nurse's department before I go into it, but that time wasn't always readily available. So if I was to do a day in the OR, I'd wake up early, like four something, five, have my breakfast shower, dress in my comfy clothes, pack my bag with a scrub cap. You can have some pimped out little scrub caps. You'll put a scrub net over it later, but that gets to be the unique you being that everybody's in the same color scrubs all the time. Bring your own cute cap. Take my elevator, get in there. You grab your scrubs and your size and stuff. You'll be in a locker room. That was awesome, having a locker. And it was a real locker. It was not a half-size locker. It was not a very skinny locker. It was like you were in middle school again, but a big locker is top and bottom. That's what we had at least. And I love the locker thing because it makes you feel like home. You know, you get to pimp out your locker, make it you, put photos on it. Put stuff that you love, add extra clothes in there for God knows what. And, okay, so grab your stuff. You change, go back out, look at the board, or eat your breakfast and then look at the board. Have your like team morning meeting or huddle. And then from the board, you'll see all the cases and surgeries going on today. So mind you, the place that I was at, we had neuro, general, vascular, podiatry. Traumas were more like at night. No, traumas anytime. But I didn't. I didn't mess with a lot of trauma. We didn't. I probably saw like two traumas in a two-month span. Most of them were at night. Plastics, organ harvest. I did not get to witness an ortho. Cardiac was on a whole different floor, whole different operating rooms, suites different uh different job application for that and that would be all that you did if you were on that floor so i like the variety that we had what was i getting at ah yes you were looking at the cases you're gonna see which operating suite that you're in we had like one through eight so let's say i was in two i'd you have lines in the operating it's not the operating room, operating suite or that floor. Different lines indicate how clean or sterile uniform do you need to be. Certain lines you can have just your scrub crack. Certain lines you need to have the actual net over your mask and different stuff on. You know, the deeper you get into the OR. Get you that stuff. See your room. See and make sure you have carts ready. So these carts actually carry... Like these cases or boxes of sterilized instruments that you are going to need for the case. Like I said, let's say it's a cholecystectomy. You're probably going to have like one or two cases. They're super heavy, got a bunch of instruments. They're sterile. They're going to have a list on top of it. And the list tells you what all, what cases should be here, with what equipment. Um, and then what equipment inside the room you need to have. Like do you need... 
that big laparoscopic tower that I was talking about? Do you need Bovi? Do you need There's so much equipment? That thing that gets the blood. And it is your job to like look in that room and be like, oop, I have the wrong bed for this whole thing. So you need to stroll out this whole bed. The surgery starts at seven. It's like six thirty-six. So you need to take out that bed. Get the other bed. Why the other bed wasn't in here, we don't know. Set it up, make it clean. You have this like pack that goes on top of the cart that you set the whole bed up with. Make sure all your equipment is in there and that it works. Make sure the equipment works. Don't just make sure it's there, make sure it works. Plug everything up. Um, and then once you feel ready, once your team is ready, once you see you got your scrub tech in there, you know what CNR you're gonna be working with. Usually I gang with the CRNA, be like, hey, you wanna like go see this patient. We'll go over in the pre-op area. Look in the chart. Make sure that this consent sign is signed by the right person. We go to that person, be like, this is you, this is what you consented to. Um, which side is it? Make sure that side, if there's a side to whatever, the closest side means not gonna have a side. But if it was like an arm amputation, a finger amputation, let's go less, let's go less severe now. Finger amputation, make sure the right side is marked um make sure the surgeon has signed it you can't i don't go take nobody back unless the surgeon has signed it i don't care about that i'll sign it in the back stuff because you'll forget to sign it in the back make sure it's signed before you go um ask them about any kind of metal implants allergies verify and then you you stroll them on back then so you're gonna give them something to like relax them a little bit. Then you help move them onto the cold OR bed. And then you start strapping them up. Oh, and this is a major key for uh, nurses working in the operating room. You deal a lot with positioning. Positioning and padding. When people are on that hard cold bed for so long, it's not like sitting in the hospital bed for a couple of days. If you, if you had your elbow here, mm, on this table for a long time with enough pressure and real cold temperature, you can develop pressure injuries a lot quicker than say somebody in a regular hospital bed. So they have a lot of stuff for padding, different names to them. I'm sure if you've been on like the OR side of TikTok, you see the jelly slapper things. You put that in different areas, strap them down, make sure they're not gonna fall off this bed. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Make sure their IVs are safe. Uh, CRNAs usually make sure that they're patent. Um, I feel like I'm missing something. If anesthesia is gonna do any kind of like um, spinal blocks, they'll do it before you strap them onto the bed. And then you clean them up, you prep them. So let's say they're prepping the belly, you might have chloroprep, you might have iodine, betadine, Make sure this whole allergy thing's resolved. Wash them up. And then you gotta wait till the surgeon can't mess with or start surgery until this prep is dry. It's like three minutes. It's about reducing risk of a fire. If it's wet, it's just, everything's done. Roasted. Um, and then you can do your computer. Once your patient is situated and taken care of and safe, surgeons please, happy. 
I'm willing to like write times on the board of like we came in at this time, this did that at that time, because I have a terrible memory, and I know that once everything's situated, I have to sit down and chart that stuff. Like we came into the OR room at this time, this was done, timeout was done, prep was done with this, this, that on this part of the body. Then uh, these, you mark how many people are in the room, who all is in the room. Then you go through your supplies. You guys, instruments, equipment, supplies. Instruments, equipment, supplies. Instruments, equipment, supplies. Some supplies that wasn't anticipated to be used, you're gonna have to like scan in or take account of because this was used in the surgery and it's gotta get charged somewhere as part of the surgery. You're accounting for that. If there's any implants, you're accounting for that. Um, Transplants, accounted for, counting. So like when they open up some lap sponges, you have like a start of lap sponges in the beginning and then the other sponges, they have like x-ray tech stuff on them. I forget what they're called. You might pop out like five of each in the beginning, but every time you pop another one open, you need to be adding that count onto the board because you'll come back to that count. It has a little, it has a lot of fun. It has a little stressy stresses. Like I'm saying, if you're, if you're a very detail-oriented person, you're going to like it. Because you're kind of in charge of all these little things. You're going to be a little bossy. Um, surgery's about done. They're about to sew up. They tell you what sutures they want. And y'all, sutures are far more complicated than I ever appreciated. There's so many types, so many different names, letters, and numbers that mean so many different things. There is a legit room in the like supply room in the middle, I think it was called, the core. So all our operating rooms were like in a circle and in the middle where it was sterile, there was all your like supplies and cases and stuff. We have the dedicated room for sutures. There's that many sutures. Four walls of sutures up the bottom. Make sure you get the right one. And give it to um. You count those two. You count sutures. Make sure you get all those out. Um. Cleaned up. CRNA does their magical thing of taking off the anesthesia and waking them back up, and you all wait in anticipation. And then you call like the rest of OR staff, which is like um nurse aides that are gonna help get them on the bed, help you clean up the room, and you usually got like a thirty-minute window. The time that person's gone, you took them to pack you with the CRNA, and you gotta get this room ready for the next surgery. So it's not only cleaning, it's setting up. So imagine you had the wrong bed again, and you had to switch out this bed. Clean up, switch the bed, get the cart, get all, switch out equipment. Um, in that 30 minutes, imagine if it's all different how stressful that would be. And so you'll recognize, you'll see that every OR room is usually smartly set up with stuff that pertain to the cases that are going to happen in that room that day. Had you a nice charge nurse and people's the night before to set it up that way. If you have any further questions, let me know. I didn't notice how much I've forgotten about it now that it's been like 10 months since. No, nine, eight or nine months since being the OR. I wish I would have brought uh, my friends Sarah and Karina to to be on this podcast episode and to talk about 
because they're still in it right now and we're still good friends meaning to meet up and that they could tell you even more being that they stayed but I know you might need these answers sooner than later so I thought I'd just get it out there okay so I hope it is of encouragement to you and it helps you in deciding where you're gonna go next um I think I've kind of, <laughs> I'm sitting here convincing myself, like, man, that war was quite the gig. If you get the opportunity, I say go for it. There's so many people who weren't in the OR that left the OR that later they go back to the OR. Um, give it a try. Let me know if you go in. Let me know what you think. And help others get to the OR if you have that plug, okay?